All right, last week, we talked about prayer a little bit. Were you guys, who, who was here? Who was here last week? So just a little review, we, we, we kind of introduced the topic of prayer. And, you know, we've talked about prayer before, but we just kind of last week talked about um, the fact that if Jesus prayed, then we're supposed to pray. If it was important to Him, it should be important to us. Amen? And the Bible tells us to pray always. Matter of fact, I'll read. You don't have to turn there, but we went over several times. Luke 18.1, it says, And He spoke a parable to them. This is Jesus. And He said that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Always to pray. And we talked about how that doesn't mean with every breath that you breathe that you're praying, but that you're always in a state of prayer. That you never finish up praying and you throw it down and say, I'm finished. I'm done praying. I'm finished. I'm walking away now. You don't ever finish. You're always in a continued state of prayer. Amen? And even uh, to add on to that, it says do not faint. That means to not give up. Even when you don't see the manifestation of what you're praying for yet, don't give up. Or another translation said, don't turn coward. Don't turn coward. Don't run away from it. Stick with it. Amen? And so it made me think that it takes a lot of courage to be a believer. It takes a lot of strength and courage and persistence to be a prayer. And I want to be called a prayer. A prayer. Amen? But it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of persistence. It doesn't just come easy, in other words. you got to stick to it. Because there's a lot coming against you to make you want to stop. What are some things that might make you stop? The world. The, the whole world. Your flesh would be something that would make you want to stop. I'm too, too tired or... That's just too boring, or uh, I've already done that before, right? Or I'd rather watch TV. Your flesh is something that'll stop you. Or another thing would be that you don't see something immediately, so you just quit, like that verse said. That, that's something you have to be strong in. You have to have courage to keep, keep at it, to stick to it. Another thing might be uh, religion itself, would cause you to stop praying. Tradition. You know, the, the whole God is in control idea. So what I'm going to pray for? What, what's the point of me praying if God's in control, right? So religious tradition can cause us to stop praying. Lots of things come against us and we've got we to gotta take courage, be strong, stick with it. And there's a, there's a right way to pray and there's a wrong way to pray. Did you know that? Not all prayer is created equal. That you can be wasting your breath praying the wrong way. Right? You can just be blowing hot air, wasting your breath. And, and I don't want to be wasting my breath. I want to know how to pray. I want to pray right because when you pray right, there's great power that comes with that. James 5.16 and you guys know this verse, and I'm going to read it in the Passion, just because I like the Passion. I'm going to read it in the Passion. James 
what did I say, 5.16. It says, for tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. That's a bold statement. Tremendous power is released through our, that word heartfelt can also be translated energized prayer of a godly believer. And so it will benefit us to know how to pray. Right? So we won't be wasting our breath. Romans 8.26, you guys can turn there. Romans 8.26 is going to give us a little insight into what I'm talking about. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. Now, anybody know what that word infirmities actually means? Weaknesses. And a lot of people translate or interpret that word to mean sicknesses. That's not exactly what it means. It could mean a sickness. Your weakness could mean that you're sick. But it's more than that. Infirmities means your weaknesses. So in this verse, what's the weakness? What is the infirmity? What's the weakness here? It says, next it says, For we know not what we should pray. Well, there it is. There's the weakness. Ignorance is the weakness right there. So, the Spirit helps our weaknesses. What's the weakness? That we don't know how to pray. We don't know what we should pray for as we ought. Now, a lot of times, and we should when we pray, know what we're praying for. So the weakness is ignorance in not what you're praying, but how you do it. It says, For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. So everybody, when you start to pray, you you pretty much know what it is you're going to pray. But you may not know how to pray it. You may not know how you ought to pray it. That's what this says. And so we ought to know some things about prayer, right? We, we have to. So tonight I want to just dive into the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. Everybody knows it by heart. Let me hear you say it. Our Father. Your will be done. in heaven. Give us this day. Give us our Everybody gets an A+. Wow, that was beautiful. So we all know it by heart, right? I mean, I saw a video earlier today of a little three-year-old girl reciting it. I mean, her, her words weren't well-spoken, but she knew it. Three years old. We, we learned, this is one of the first things we memorize, is the Lord's Prayer, right? And so, lots and lots of people know it. Let's just look, look at the Lord's Prayer in Scripture. I want to look at both... Uh, in, in Luke and uh, over in Matthew 2, but we're going to start in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Luke 11, 1 starts the Lord's Prayer, but this is a version you don't know. This is a version we didn't memorize. So we'll start there. Luke 11, uh, 11 1 through 4. 
It says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, this is Jesus, Jesus was praying, he was praying, and when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Verse 2 says, And he said unto them, When you pray, now notice it didn't say if you pray, it said when you pray, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Okay? So that's the Luke version. And so Jesus is teaching them how to pray as they ought. He's teaching them the the way to pray. Right? The way to pray. Let's flip on over to Matthew and look at that account. Matthew 6 and verse 5. We're going to take this one a little slow, okay? So Matthew 6, starting in verse 5, it says, And when thou prayest, so God's expecting us to pray, because he said when. He's expecting you to pray, right? When you pray, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. Now who are hypocrites? Who do you think just off the top of your head without looking on down in the verse Pharisees or someone that's a self-seeker, right? A high-minded person, right? So it says, Don't be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So what they get from the street, from the people on the street, that's their reward. Because they're self-seeking. But Jesus says, don't be like that. Verse 6 says, But when you pray, there it is again, when you pray, he's expecting prayer, enter into thy closet. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father, which is in secret, and your Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't pray in public. So there's people that take that verse and say, see, we're not supposed to pray in public. No, this is, a, this is personal instruction right here. That has, that has no bearing on whether we should pray in public or not. Of course we should pray in public. Of course we should pray for other people. Of course we should have corporate prayer. This is instructing, it says, when you pray. Jesus is talking to you, not to corporate prayer. He's talking to you. Okay? So, get in your closet, your prayer closet, your private place, and pray in secret. And it says, the Father will see you and He will reward you openly. Verse 7, But when you pray, well, there it comes again, when you pray, use not vain repetitions. Hamp, I'm going to need a battery. Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. Well, he's getting real. He's getting real specific right there. 
I'll just use this. So vain repetitions. Let's talk about that for just a minute. What do you think vain repetitions are? Just saying the same thing over and over and over again. Huh? Ritualistic prayer. Yeah, reciting something. Mindless. Just saying, saying some words that don't really just, it doesn't mean much, right? Did you know even the Lord's Prayer can become repetitious, ritualistic? The Lord's Prayer can turn this way. It can, be, it can become a vain repetition. There are churches that say it every week. And I would say 99.9% of the people sitting out there reciting it, they're not even thinking about the words they're saying. They're just repeating something that they've memorized. That's why we're going over it tonight, because I want it to come alive again for you. Okay? So, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. And that's funny that he called people that do that heathen. I mean, I repeat it sometimes, and I don't think I'm a heathen. And I'm sure those people sitting in church would be offended if we called them a heathen. But Jesus did. If we pray repetitiously without any mindfulness to it, I mean, Jesus said we're a heathen. That's pretty blunt right there. That's Jesus. (laughs) So, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. So, for their big words. For their fancy talk. Right? So, when you pray, don't use fancy talk. You don't need any fancy words. Use your regular words. Jesus hears you talking all day long, and then you come to him and start using these weird thou, thee, and oh, and he goes, who are you? I just heard you over here talking to Kaylee in a normal voice. Why are you using this holy voice over here with me? Just use your normal voice, right? Verse 8 says, be not ye therefore like unto them, For your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask Him. Okay, so you're not praying to inform God of something. You didn't start praying and God say, I did not know that. I'm so glad you prayed that because I had not thought of that. No, He knows. He already knows. And so people say, well, what's the point then? We have to align our thoughts, our confessions with his will. We have to put into motion some things on this earth sometimes through prayer. Okay? So I want to read those first verses before we go into the actual Lord's Prayer. I'm going to read it in the message so you get a good understanding of kind of what it's saying. These same verses, um, verse 5 through 8 in the message translation, it says this. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for 15 minutes of fame, do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply as And honestly, as you can manage, the focus will shift from you to God. 
and you will begin to sense his grace. Verse 7, the, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They are full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. That's good. That's good. All right, so the next verses really gets into the instruction. And so we're going to break it down tonight, okay? So Matthew 6, we'll start in verse 9. It says, After this manner, therefore ye pray. So this is Jesus saying, Here's how to pray. Notice, not what to pray, how to pray. This is how to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven. That's your first line right there. So in more modern words, that says, we would say, Heavenly Father. Because most of us don't walk around saying, Our Father, which art in heaven. We just say, Heavenly Father. Or, My Father God. Right? Now, what gives us the right to even call God Father? If we said, Our Heavenly Father, what even gives us the right to... Before we say one bit of word of a prayer, what even gives us a right to step up and even speak to God? We sure did. We just sang about it. Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, he made us righteous. He made us able to be able to approach the Father. Otherwise, we wouldn't even have the right to say, Dear Heavenly Father. If we weren't washed clean and the blood of Jesus applied, we said, dear heavenly, lightning would just strike us. I mean, we would have no approach. (laughs) No approach whatsoever without Jesus. Amen? He made us worthy. Hebrews 4.16, I'm going to read it. It says, you can write it down, read it later, or turn fast. Hebrews 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Come boldly. How dare we come boldly to the throne of God? Because Jesus said we could. Because Jesus made us worthy. Amen. We can walk right in. Confident. You can walk right up. To the throne of God confidently. Now that doesn't mean haughtily or with pride. Right? There's a a difference between confidence and pride. We can enter in confidently because of Jesus. Amen? And so we walk in and we say, Heavenly Father. Everybody say, Heavenly Father. That's how we approach Him. And then the next phrase, hallowed be thy name. A more modern way to say that would be holy is your name. Holy is your name. In other words, Heavenly Father, I give you reverence. I give you honor. I revere you. When you come to him, you call him by name and you honor him. You glorify him. You always come 
respectfully to God. Not fearfully, but respectfully. Amen? You don't walk in and say, hey, yo, God, what's up? I mean, you know, reverently. It's God. Okay? I heard a minister describe it in a natural way, kind of this way. If you were invited to visit the office of the president. Now, no matter who's the president, I'm not saying which president, I'm just saying you were invited to the office of the president. There is a a level of natural reverence that comes from the office. And you were invited in because you had something you need to ask the president to do for you or or you need to you need to ask the president something and you got invited in and you come into the oval office and you walk in and you go up to the desk and you said oh mr president whoa mr president oh oh mr president oh mr president mr president What the heck? You wouldn't do that, would you? Why do people go into their prayer time? Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. God Almighty, oh, God. Don't they? Why are they doing that? Why are they they doing that? Because God's going, what? What What do you want? Get on with it already. We don't do, that's not... Walking into his presence with reverence, is it? No. We need to come before him and recognize, honor him, recognize who he is, the position he holds, and honor that. (laughs) Right? Give him all honor. Acknowledge his faithfulness. Give him thanks when you step into his presence. Acknowledge his goodness. Acknowledge him. Amen? All right, verse 10 says, Thy kingdom come, or your kingdom come, and your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now this is the first thing you talk about. Before you've walked in, you've called God your heavenly Father, and you've acknowledged his name, you've honored him, and then here's the very first thing you talk about. This is the first thing you come to him. You don't lead out with something you want. You lead out with what he wants. You're leading out with what he wants. All right? And Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom in a lot of places. Matter of fact, I'd love to challenge Austin to do a study on the kingdom and present that to us sometime. We're going to get it. The kingdom. His kingdom. He talked about the kingdom. If you begin to open your eyes and recognize all the places that you see the word kingdom, you'd be surprised. He talked about his kingdom while he was here. And his kingdom is way, way, way more important than your situation. Right? 
His kingdom benefits us. His kingdom is for us. So, of course, it's much more important than what we want. And not acknowledging his kingdom before you just start blabbing out what you want is like saying, my needs are more important than your plan. Right? We should always want to know and want to support and want to work toward the kingdom. The kingdom. First, foremost, the kingdom. And this is the way we ought to be praying. With the kingdom in mind first. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? He wouldn't be telling us to pray this way if everything in this earth was already happening according to his will. Right? You heard me, right? He needs for us, he wants us to be praying out his will on this earth. And some people say, well, God's in control. How many of you hear that all the time? God is in control. People say it. His will is being done anyway, regardless of my prayer. I'm quoting what some people say. God is in control. His will is being done regardless of whether I pray. Wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Wrong. Many, many, many things are happening in this earth that are not God's will. Right? Else he wouldn't be asking us to pray for his will to be done. He wouldn't need for us to pray for his will to be done if his will was already being done. The word kingdom, kingdom, is king dominion. King dominion. And God's kingdom exists now. It exists now, but it's not finished expanding. It's not completely expanded yet. And there are some, you know, there's all, just like there's other teachings, there's a teaching that the kingdom has not come yet, hasn't been even created, and it'll come in the sweet by and by. Then there's others that teach that the kingdom is fully come and that God is all in control and, you know, there is no point in praying or even seeking salvation because, you know, everything's predestined and it's already done. And neither one of those is correct, scripturally. There is no scripture that backs up either one of those. The scripture says that the kingdom has come, but not to its fullest extent. Right? Because God does not have dominion. Dominion means rule, rulership, right? God does not have dominion over this earth. Yet. Not yet. He is only ruling here where men receive him and where we yield to him. Correct? And so a whole bunch of this earth is still under the dominion or the rule of the devil. Like name something bad that's happening in the world today. Murder. 
human trafficking, bombings, abortion, uh, protest, wars, you know, gender identity, pandemics. All right, how many of all those things are happening right now in heaven? Zero of those. None of those. Because God's kingdom has been fully established in heaven. But it's only been partially established here on this earth through us. Correct? If God was in control, like some people say, then that stuff would not be happening here on this earth. Because that's not God's will. Right? And we wouldn't need to pray for his will to be done on this earth. But those things are happening here. And we do need to pray. One day, one glorious day, the kingdom will be established on this earth. His ultimate will will be done. And all of that junk will be over with. Because the source of that will be cast away, burn up. But that day hadn't come yet, right? So in between now and then, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That has to be our prayer. Amen? Now, up till now, we've been praying for a lot already, just just in the beginning, and we hadn't even asked one thing for ourselves yet. You see that? We did all that praying. We hadn't even addressed what I want yet. Amen? And so, like, your power bill is not really at the top of the list. Oh, God, my power bills do. I mean, first of all, please don't do that. But that's not, that's not at the top of the list. Your power bill is not more important than the kingdom of God. All right? Look at Matthew 6.33. Keep your finger in there where the Lord's prayer is. But Matthew 6.33, I'm going to remind you why your power bill is not quite as important as the kingdom of God. Because Jesus says this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. I'm going to read it in the Passion because it's good. The Passion says it this way. So above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Isn't that good? So when we approach God, his kingdom comes first. When we go to him in prayer, his kingdom is first on his mind. It has to be first on our mind because if we approach him with the kingdom first, all the little lesser important things in life will be added to us abundantly. Amen? All right. So let's keep going and see what we can ask for. Verse 11 says, Give us this day... Our daily bread. All right, so you see, it is okay to ask. Matter of fact, Jesus wants us to ask. 
when we ask in faith. Is asking in faith begging? Pleading? When we ask, we ask in faith. And our daily bread, this is just representative of our daily needs. Things that we, the power bill goes right there. (laughs) Our daily needs, right there. The things that we need to live on this earth are right there. And it's not a surprise to God when you do ask. Remember, he already knows. He knows. But now somebody says, well, if he already knows, if he already knows what I need, why didn't he just give it to me automatically? Why didn't he just give me my power bill automatically? Well, maybe he did. Remember, we have an enemy that's constantly working to steal, kill, and destroy. Working against us, working against every circumstance to come against us. So don't blame God when you haven't received what you need. Amen? Don't be blaming God. Put the blame where it belongs. Bind the devil over that situation and then get, ask God to provide it for you. Amen? God is not holding carrots up, <laughs> tempting us or you know, teasing us with little things that we need. He wants to give the things that we need. The, remember the Luke version of that said, give us day by day our daily bread. Did you notice that? So ask for what you need today. Ask for what you need today. And then when tomorrow gets here, it'll be today again. So ask what you need today. Right? And then when the next day gets here, that day will be today. So ask for what you need today. Don't try to hoard up things for the next ten years God, could you please send me 10 years supply of power bills? No, just ask for what you need day by day. Day by day. Trust God for what you need today. Now notice that little part right there is the shortest part. Give us this day our daily bread. That's the shortest part in the whole thing. Right? So just ask, believe, and then trust God in faith. Now please don't forget the faith part. Because the faith part is the most important part. Believing by faith. There are a bunch of other verses I did not put here because we don't have three hours to go through them all that says, believe by faith. Believe by faith. And speaking of faith, look at verse 12. It says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or some versions say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Right? You've heard it both ways. Now, why is that in there? Why even? I mean, of all the things Jesus could require of us to pray, he put in forgiveness. Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Why is that so important to God? Exactly. Unforgiveness, though, will prevent, everybody say prevent, unforgiveness prevents your faith from working. 
So all that faith I just talked about, it can't work. It cannot work. Your faith, unforgiveness is a faith blocker. And so if you're believing for healing and it just won't, it won't manifest, ask God to reveal to you, is there something I need? The first place you should go, if you are praying and praying and praying and you don't see an answer, go back, search your heart for unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is the only thing that God, the, the Bible mentions that blocks your faith. Stops your faith. Unforgiveness. Because faith works by love. And unforgiveness is not love. Unforgiveness is not love. Colossians 3.13 says this. Colossians 3.13. says, Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now, there's a whole lot in that verse right there. It says, forgive anyone who offends you. That doesn't mean you can pick out one or two that you don't forgive. And remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Must you're going to have any success, any success in your Christian walk, you have to forgive. You have to release it. Just release it. Yeah, but here comes the yeah, but. Yeah, but what? You just don't know what she did to me. You don't know what she did to my family. I mean, you know, The Lord doesn't expect me to forgive that. Right? You ever heard anybody say such as that? And see, you're carrying around a feeling. Can I get a tissue? A feeling. You're carrying around a feeling. And forgiveness is not based on feelings. Spasibo. That's a big one. Forgive yourself. You just don't know what I've done. See, when people say, you just don't know what I've done, they don't really know how big Jesus is. If they think what they've done is so bad that Jesus cannot clean that up, they don't really recognize how powerful he is, how powerful that blood that we just sang about. They have no idea how powerful that blood is. Right? You've got to forgive yourself. You've got to forgive others. You've got to forgive not based on feelings. And it does not feel good to be done wrong, does it? If you have ever been done wrong, that don't feel good. It hurts, right? It don't matter. It doesn't matter how much it hurts because hurt's a feeling. It does not matter how you feel. 
You have to release it by faith. It's funny that unforgiveness has to be released by faith so your faith can work. Right? You have to release it by faith. And if you look at the wording right there, forgive us our debt, or trespasses means debt. It's a, it's a banking word, right? And so you forgive a wrongdoing from someone just like you would forgive a monetary debt. You forgive it the same way. Let's, you know, if somebody owes you money, let's just say that, that I had loaned Debbie $500. And then it, time passed by and she just came and said, I, I just can't pay you back. You know, and I was like, man, I want my money. And she worked a little more and got her second job, but I don't know what, she just, she couldn't get it. She just couldn't pay me back. And so one day, I just say, you know what, Debbie? Forget it. You don't owe me anything anymore. You don't, forget about it. The the debt's gone. You don't owe me. It's gone. I I release you from the debt. It's the same way when you release someone from a wrongdoing. You just say, you know what? Now, it didn't take away the fact that she, she still owed me the $500, but in my record-keeping book, I just ripped it up. You don't owe it to me anymore. It's over. It's gone. Forgiveness is the same way. It's the same thing. Unforgiveness is like having a contract, a written contract between you and somebody else, and the devil is your cosigner. Right? And forgiveness is like taking that contract and ripping it up and telling them you don't owe them. They don't owe you anymore. You just rip it up and it's gone. I, I, I release you from that. I just release you. It's over. I don't, I'm not holding that debt over your, anymore. I release it. Now, the cosigner, who's the devil, is going to come back and say, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, what about this? What about that? What about this? Try to bring back to your remembrance all the, how many of you know that happens? I forgave, but, you know, last night I couldn't even sleep because I kept flashing through my head all the things that person did to me. Don't you think the, de- the co-signer is going to come back and try to collect on that contract? Right? He wants to hold you in bondage. But you released it already. Once you tear it up, it's torn up. Let it go. It's over. It's over. Once it's over, your faith can work freely. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Verse 13 says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In other words, and we've studied this verse before, God, lead me away from temptation. Show me how to walk around it. That's what the verse says. Show me a way around that temptation. Right? We can avoid, we can overcome temptation. The sin doesn't have to dominate us. 
James 1.13 says, this James 1.13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Okay, so if you get into a place of temptation and you, you walk into it, that's you walking into it. God didn't dangle that thing out there to tempt you. Who's the tempter? That's one of his names, Austin, that you told us. The tempter. Matthew 26, 41. I'm going to read it in the message because it's so good. Matthew 26, 41. It says, stay alert. Be in prayer so you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. There's a part of you that is eager ready for anything in God, but there's another part that's lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. (laughs) That's the message for you. That's the way it reads. So you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. That's why you pray, lead me around any temptation. Right? Pray for God to watch over you, to deliver you from anything evil. Lord, lead me away from that. Lead me away from that. Because if you don't, you can wander right into it without even knowing it. And there you are. All of a sudden, you're in the middle of a mess, and you go, I don't even know how I got here. It's just that easy. It's that. You remember when Joseph, Joseph, you know, in the Old Testament, Joseph, And he went into there and Potiphar's wife came in and started like making the moves on him. I mean, he just walked right into it. He didn't even know. You know what he did? He skint out of his little robe and ran. He he jumped clean out of his coat. He, He ran so fast away from that temptation, he just stripped right out of his coat and ran. You know? Sometimes we got to run. We get in a situation and we need to run. Lead us not really means, Lord, help me run. (laughs) 2 Timothy 4.18 says this. 2 Timothy 4.18 And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. And preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever. And I love that there's that word kingdom again. He will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his kingdom. And then the last phrase. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Again, there's the kingdom. It started with the kingdom, and then this, the Lord's Prayer ends with the kingdom. See how important the kingdom is? The kingdom is just that important. It's at the beginning, it's at the end. Get your little asking done in the middle, and forgive somebody, and then get back to kingdom work. Amen? And this is a time in prayer when you honor the Father, you glorify Him, you praise Him. Take time to show him. Doesn't matter how long or short. 
no matter what your need is, end it out with glory and honor to his name. And this little ending in some translations is not there. It was a common, they added it, and I say they added it, but it was put back in because prayers in the Old Testament ended this way. All prayers, all prayers ended with a statement of praise. It came from 1 Chronicles 29. I'll read it to you real quick. 1 Chronicles, if you want to know how this ending is used elsewhere, it says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. That's how they would end all prayers, giving glory and honor to the kingdom. Amen? And that's the end of the Lord's Prayer, but I'm going to add one other thing. I'm going to give one other little add-on. John 16, 23. You guys can turn there if you need to. John 16, 23 and 24. Jesus has given us one more instruction. He says, and in that day... Now, what day is he talking about? Today. This is him before he went into heaven, before he was crucified... And he's telling them what's going to happen after he was resurrected. They didn't know that, but this is what he's talking about. He says, in that day, he's talking about today. In that day, ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto you have asked me nothing. Hitherto is means up until now. Up until now... You've asked me nothing in my name. So up until he gave this instruction, they, did, they didn't ask things in Jesus' name. That, that, that wasn't a thing. That wasn't a thing to ask to pray in Jesus' name because Jesus had not died and resurrected yet. There was no name to base anything in yet for them. He said, so up until now you've asked nothing in my name. And then he goes on, so the next part is the next statement. So now, ask, and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Right? And so, this is a new covenant way that we pray. In Jesus' name. We pray in Jesus' name. Because he told us to. Because his name has power. His name gives power to the prayer that we pray. We pray to God. But Jesus gives us the authority to do so. Amen? Amen. So I just thank God for showing us how to pray. For giving us Jesus' name. Aren't you? And for using me to produce his kingdom on earth. Amen? Amen. Before we go, 
I think Austin, before we came, he, he recognized what we were going to talk about tonight because how many of you get the push notification that gives a little blip about what we're going to... And he saw that and he ran back to his notes from Rama and he has a couple little nuggets he wanted to share just to add on. Come here, Austin. Interesting facts, Jordan, in case you want to know. So I studied under people a whole lot smarter than me. Um, and I didn't know this. I, I don't think you can really even get this if you read a concordance, understand the meaning, unless you actually speak Greek, which I don't. So I don't, I don't speak ancient Greek. But um, in the Lord's Prayer, um, particularly in Luke's account, every verb in the Lord's Prayer is in the imperative present tense. So, essentially, every verb is almost a, almost a demand in the original language. And he gave us a very literal, very literal translation of the verse, or, or the passage, and here's what it says. And, and remember now, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. The, the Lord's Prayer is not a formula. He's not saying you have to say this prayer word for word in order to be praying. He was showing his disciples how to pray. And this was the example that he gave. And here's, here's this version. It says, Our Father, who is in the heavens, your name must at once be made holy. Your kingdom must now come. You, your will must be done right now, as, it, as in heaven, also on earth. You must now give us today the things necessary for our existence. You must right now forgive our sins for us in the same manner as we have completed forgiving everyone of everything big and little against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but you must now rescue us from the evil one. So right now that just, Jesus was telling his disciples that like Pastor Michelle was saying earlier, you don't have to beg God for things. God does not want you to beg him for things. He wants you to put a demand on what he has promised us in his word and just say, God, based on your word, you said it, I want it. And that's how Jesus himself told us to pray. So I thought that was pretty cool. Amen. Amen. So let's just pray before we go the Lord's Prayer. Y'all ready? And let's pray it in.